0: Keep your ride-or-die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.
1: Welcome to Tigers in 20, Go Tigers 247 audio podcast. Your one-stop shop for all things University of Memphis Tigers athletics. Stepping up to the microphone are your hosts, the founder of Go Tigers 247, Brooks Hansen, and lead writer for Go Tigers 247, Christian Fowler.
2: What's up, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode. I am your host, Christian Fowler, and joining me, as always, is Go Tigers 247 digital content creator, Kenny Stubblefield, and Kenny, we are minus Brooks this week. Uh, If you paid attention to the weather Mississippi and Alabama have gotten some bad weather, and Brooks is without power, without internet. Uh, I th- I think everything's good. Uh, I t- we talked to him last night a little bit. He said it, di- it didn't touch down at their house, but he did see it go over the house. Uh, I think they had some trees go down and stuff, but uh, as the last that we heard, he's still without power or internet. So you're stuck with just me and Kenny today. Can I say something about Brooks real quick before we move forward? I think that... The, these weather
3: scenarios when his power and his all of his electricity and everything goes out i think he actually quietly enjoys it because i don't know if y'all know brooks brooks is the kind of guy he loves to be off the grid loves to kind of he wants to no communication things like that um i think he is having a blast being a caveman right now
2: i, I don't know if there's trees down in his yard we know how brooks is particular about his yard so he's probably not happier right now it's a good point uh but with that being said let's Let's move on. Um, we are coming off of the AAC tournament, heading into the National Invitation Tournament, the NIT, and Memphis will play their first game in the first round against Dayton on Saturday at 11 a.m. I know fans hate those early games, but I actually love them because it uh, it gives me the rest of my day. Um, so I'm a big fan of the early game. so I'm glad we got an 11 a.m. tip-off uh, for Saturday. But, we, I don't think we want to spend too much time talking about Houston. Um, we, we, you know, we broke it down on the site. We haven't done a podcast about it, but it's kind of old news at this point, and everything's kind of shifted gear. So it was a tough loss. Um, you know, we we all know that game came down to free throws. It's a difficult pill to swallow, but that you know the reality is the reality of it. And I mean, it is what it is. It's kind of it's kind of what you have to say if you're Penny Hardaway and the staff. You can't blame anybody but yourself in that game. But now. Although you're not in the NCAA tournament, you do have a chance to go win the NIT. And from some of the odds makers that I've looked at, Memphis is the second favorite to win the NIT behind Ole Miss, which that means nothing, uh, obviously. Anything can happen in in these kind of tournaments. Anybody can win on any, any given day. But the odds makers do have confidence in Memphis and... I, I think here's my biggest thing. I think as long as this team has shifted gears from the heartbreaking loss to what's a, what's ahead of them, I think they will be fine. Uh, I don't know how big of an if that is. Uh, we know this team has had you know trouble getting up for games in the past and uh, they've played down the competition before. And I'm not saying Dayton is less competition. I do think Dayton's a very good team. That's why the line on this game' is only like four or four and a half points. Um, but will this team say, look, you know, this isn't the goal. This isn't what we want. We wanted to go to the NCAA tournament here we are in the NIT, like whatever. Or do they come out and say, look, you know, we didn't make our ultimate goal, but we can have, we can gain so much momentum going into next season. If we go run the table in this tournament, I believe that's the mindset that they will come out with, uh, because I, I asked Penny Hardaway about it on Monday Uh, and, and he kind of gave his answer on that and, and for how he shifted the focus. So I believe that's how they will come out, but we can't be a hundred percent until we see it. So if they come out flat, they come out making mistakes and looking sloppy, uh, then we know that, you know, they had, they had difficulty shifting that mentality. But Kenny, for you, uh, what, what is the key for Memphis in this game? What do they have to do uh, to win on Saturday and move on to the next round?
3: Well, I'll, I'll I'll get to Tate in a second but I do want to go back just a little bit to um, kind of prop up an article that you wrote on the the website go Tigers 247.com um, you said earlier in the in the show in your introduction that that Memphis really only has themselves to blame that free throws cost them the game and and I think that if we were to take a step back just in terms of the regular season the AAC tournament the, the, the free throws cost them the entire season. In that regard, Um, you wrote an incredible article breaking down, um, you know, statistics and and game by game games they lost with their free throw percentage, all those kinds of things. So, if you haven't seen that article, you need to go check it out. Um, It's the little things, right? Like we always talk about the little things um, in terms of of success or failure. But with Dayton, you know, I think the key is just—I mean, the key is. I'm I'm optimistic about this game because of the Tigers' track record against dominant um, dominant guards during the year. Um, some of the best players in the AAC were guards this year. You had uh, Quentin Grimes, who obviously went off on the Tigers a few times. He's a pro, like he is a a a, a pro. But you had uh, Tyson Etienne. You had. Um, uh, Uh, Kendrick Davis uh, from SMU you had a bunch of other players that the best players in the in the league were guards and the Tigers did a really good job of of neutralizing the other team's best players and their guards so for me in this it's the the Tigers success lives or rides on their on their defense and and I think that they're going to have to um, really focusing in on Jalen Crutcher. I mean, he is going to come in motivated. He's going to come in um, with a point to prove, I think. And the guy is just a great player. And so stopping him is going to be um, game plan number one, I think, for the Tigers. And, you know, if they can do that, then I think the the odds are in their favor to win the game.
2: Yeah, I completely agree. And you mentioned Quentin Grimes, and Quentin Grimes is more of a you know a big two guard or a wing, so that's a little bit different. It's more of these like six one to six three guards that Memphis has had a lot more success shutting down. And uh, Jalen Crutcher fits right into that profile, and I, I completely agree with you set with what you said. Uh, I think he's going to be very hyped up for this game, playing against his hometown team. Uh, A team that didn't recruit him extremely heavily. And he has an opportunity. I mean, you know, all of his families from Memphis, they're watching this game. He's playing against the hometown team. It's like one of those, you know, completely scripted stories uh, that typically doesn't turn out in the favor that Memphis fans want it to. I'm not saying it will, but there's been a lot of fans on the board saying, you know, I can already see Jalen Crutcher going off on us or having a big game on us. As soon as it dropped that Memphis was playing Dayton, uh, everybody on the board was like, oh, God, he's going to go off on us. So is it a possibility? Yes. But has Memphis proven that they can slow these types of players down? Absolutely. And I think you can make an argument that, that Jalen is a little bit different than Kendrick Davis and Tyson Etienne and guys like that. Um, because I think he's a, a bit of a better distributor than Tyson Etienne, and he's um, a little quicker than Kendrick Davis, but I think they're more similar than than he and Tyson Etienne. Average 18 points, 5 assists. Uh, three and a half rebounds a game. He, he really does it all. He is a, a very athletic guard that can shoot the ball, score from all three levels. And even when he's off, even when he's not playing well, he can distribute the ball and, and, and get the ball into other players' hands. So he's one of those players that's very difficult to slow down. Uh, I, that's kind of what happened with Kendrick Davis as well, if you recall uh, that second SMU game. They shut him down scoring. Uh, But as far as distributing and running the floor, he was a major reason why SMU did win that second game. So it's not going to be an easy task at all, Um, but Memphis has proven they can do it with the caveat of typically it's Alex Lomax doing a big part of that. Yeah. Do you think he's going to be available? From what Penny said on Monday, it doesn't sound like it. Uh, He said he may be, uh, he said he hadn't asked him about a certain percentage yet or where he's at, but he just didn't sound optimistic about it. Uh, said on Monday that he hadn't talked uh, to Alex yet and reiterated a point that he had already made that, you know, 80% for most players is like 50%, 60% for Alex because of how hard he plays, uh, especially on the defensive end of the floor. So it didn't sound optimistic. Uh, I I haven't heard anything on it yet. Um, but let's just assume that Alex won't play in this game, and and look at you know who Memphis will match up with, and more than likely to be Boogie Ellis to start out, and then Damian Ball will roll in. And for as much as Boogie has done offensively over the past several games, uh, you you me and Brooks have talked about this a, a lot over the past several weeks. He's really stepped up his game on the defensive end, and and it's like he's paid a lot more attention to the to the little details of playing defense and staying in front of guys and kind of just being a pest on defense. So he stepped his game up on that end, and then you know when he gets out of the game and gets a break, Damian comes in. Damian is bigger than Jalen, bigger body guy than, than Jalen. Uh, I think the only difficulty he may have is staying in front of him, but Damian has shown that he is very good at staying in front of of nearly everyone that he has guarded. Yeah, that's one um, of the biggest
3: things I've seen in growth in Damian is last year – um, he reached a lot. He he had a hard time staying in front and would pick up silly fouls at the half court. You know, in their press, you know defenses. He hasn't done that that much this year. Um, Damian's big, but Damian is um, um, he his his calling card is his defense and his ability to stay in front, his ability to harass. Um, I think Damian is going to play a pretty big role against Jalen. And and again, you you mentioned Buggy. Um, you know, I think is Boogie a great one-on-one defender? I don't think you, I don't think anybody's ever going to call Boogie a, an elite one-on-one defender, but Boogie thrives in that three quarter court trap um, press like that. He thrives in that because he is, when he does spread his, his wings out and gets big, he's, he's pretty relentless with the trap, whether it's Lester in the trap with him or whoever, whoever's on the other side trapping, Um, you know, Boogie has done a good job with that with that press defense, and um, it's caused a lot of issues for Tiger opponents. I mean, there are multiple multiple weeks of footage to see what that trap is, and it's still almost. I mean, you'll you'll still see a 12nd half court uh, violation once a game probably against um, every team they play. So, it's a uh, it's an impressive press defense, and I think if you can get Jalen in that in that mode to you know try to beat it by himself I think he's going to play right into the Tigers hands
2: yeah so I think I think as far as you know defense goes that is the biggest matchup to watch because that is their best player and that's what Memphis kind of prides themselves on is taking away opposing teams best players so if if they're going to do so in this game if they're going to to get a win or a convincing win then they have to at least neutralize Jalen Crutcher Um, but I do want to shift gears offensively because we know this team has been up and down offensively and it feels like to me, and Kenny, correct me if I'm wrong, um, but, but when this team does have good offensive games, for the most part, it is when a player gets hot. And I know we talked about it you, you know, in the middle of the season and towards the end of the season when, the, when they were on this good offensive run. Uh, it was when they were sharing the ball, distributing the ball. Everyone's getting like this 8 to 12 points a game. And I do think the offense looks good when that happens, but when you look at the offense that came out against Houston in that semifinal game and Boogie Ellis has 27 points and then you have other guys getting that 8-10, to I think that is when this offense looks best because the defense is forced to try to take someone away. Um, So I think offense, offensively for Memphis may be the key in this game because Dayton does have some scores, three guys averaging over 12 points per game. So if this does become an offensive shootout, which – it doesn't happen often in Memphis games cuz their defense is so good but let's just let's just play devil's advocate and say that it does who needs to step up outside of the usual suspects because we know what Boogie's done we know what DeAndre brings who is in your opinion the key in this game
3: i mean can i steal your answer um and go with landers i mean i mean yeah. landers to me is is i mean if he's on the tigers are are a really hard team to beat because as, as DeAndre is consistent, and I, and I know that I know that um, Memphis Tiger fans don't like to hear this name, but um, as polarizing as he is, Dan Dockich made some good points about um, DeAndre Williams' um, offense in the AAC tournament when he talked about um, DeAndre's ability to face up in the post or face up in the mid-range, uh, in the mid-post area. Um, he called that play to DeAndre' death for the defense because there's there there's really nothing that they can do to stop him. He's he's a, an, an, a fantastic facilitator. Can get to the rim, has a quick second jump. You know he's and he's very intelligent with that move. So DeAndre's going to give you what he's going to give you. He's going to be consistent. I think he's going to be a stat a stat sheet filler um he might not score you 20 something points but he'll get you 15, you know, 10 rebounds, five six assists, you know, those kinds of things. Like that that's what he does. If he can stay out of foul trouble, Boogie's going to get points. Um but it's again like you said there has to be somebody else to step up and and I think that person has to be Landers or DJ. That that was my pick. I mean, DJ DJ has had a rough year. His sophomore season has not been great for him, but he has absolutely in the last three, four games showed a different side of himself. Um, DJ is a um, just athletically skilled guy. is very smooth with the ball. Very has the ability to get to the basket at any at any time. Has a, a really good jumper. Um, his three point shot is decent. If DJ, I think, I think. It's either DJ or Landers for me.
2: Yeah, my pick was DJ just because of the way that he's played over the past several games. He looks like pre-injury DJ Jeffries again for glimpses. He hasn't had an entire game like he played his freshman year uh, in in recent memory, but he has had glimpses where he's – and I think to me what it was for him, and you mentioned his smoothness, specifically it's when he's slashing. Like when he's going down low, that smoothness, how he can just kind of – flow around people and get to the basket and, and be a shot creator. He started showing that at times again. So I, I think if you can get, I'm not even saying if he has like a 15, 20 point game, if you can get around that 10 to 14 mark from him, uh, I think that's more than likely going to be a positive sign for your offense because it means guys like Boogie and DeAndre are are, are getting to the basket and they're getting more attention and DJ's getting getting uh, more one-on-one looks and, and more opportunities. So I think with the way that he played against UCF and against Houston, that he could be a key in this game because I do think they're going to need a little bit more offense in this game. And I got a couple other points and I want to hear your opinion on these as well. So we'll go one by one with these. Uh, Something that popped up again in the Houston game that we have not seen in a while was selfish play and bad shot selection. We haven't seen that in a while. And in that first half, that's why Memphis went down by 12 points. Uh, DeAndre Williams took at least four or five just completely ill-advised shots, step-back shots and threes early in the shot clock, just a lot of ill-advised shots. Uh, Landers, I believe, took one shot in the first half, and it was the probably the worst shot of his Memphis career uh, early in the shot clock, three from the corner that went off the side of the backboard. It, it's, like, it's like the nerves got to him, and they were just shot-jacking in that first half. They were just trying to make a play. So that concerns me a little bit because it's something that we haven't seen in a while. Uh, Does it pop back up again against Dayton? Uh, If they start struggling early, do they start throwing up shots again? Because we know that when this team does that, when they have bad shot selection, when they play selfish, uh, they look terrible offensively. They look out of sync. They look clunky. There's no smoothness at all. They have to share the ball to look solid on offense. And I'm not saying it's going to pop back up again. I'm just saying it's something that I noticed uh, that I'll be watching for on Saturday. Yeah, I mean, you, you, you have to think about the the the,
3: the previous Houston game, just the, the week before, when in the flow of the offense in the second half, there was a lot of, of shots that you normally wouldn't see players take, and they were hitting them, right? Like Lester hit a logo three from the left wing in that first Houston game that – was a really good shot, but we haven't seen him take that shot. Like he was coming off a pick, I think, or coming off a screen, rolling, got it, and was like, I mean, probably three feet behind the NBA three point line and shot it. And, and then Boogie made a few shots like that. When you play a team like Houston, uh, a defensive juggernaut like Houston, they're going to make you take shots that you're not used to taking, number one. And then number two, like you have to be willing to, um, take the first shot available in, in those kinds of defenses. Because if they give you an available shot, you might not get another shot in that, in that round, in that shot clock. You might have just take it and go um, and let and, and rebound as, as best you can. Um, but the, the good thing is, you, you mentioned that, and it was in the first, first half of the game, but the adjustments that were made at halftime by Penny shut all that down and and you saw what they did their defense stayed steady their um offense started uh flowing smoother and they were able to get back into the game um you know it's it's easy to i mean even in the nba you look at teams and you're going to have moments of or like periods in time in a game where the offense isn't flowing perfectly or there's going to be some selfish shots or man this is not what the offense needs to look like but in the end um the tigers got it back and they made a game out of it and and once again they um you know the free throws cost them but they almost beat Houston for the second time in a week i don't know if we're going to have that same issue against Dayton because we're talking about two totally different teams Houston and Dayton in terms of defense especially um you know the the tigers seem to have definitely turned a corner with their offense in the second half of the season and um and i think we've seen pretty convincingly over the last, you know, over the la- over over his career but just specifically with this team in particular this team this year, Penny is 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 proving himself to be a very good in-game coach in terms of adjustments in terms of game plans. So
2: I I completely agree, but there is a very good coach on the other side of the floor as well and Anthony oh, Grant, a guy Anthony that Anthony Grant's a beast, man. It was the coach of the year last year after Dayton had an incredible run and has had success in college basketball for a long time now, a veteran coach. And this is why these games are so unpredictable to me because when you have nearly a week to prepare for somebody, which is, you know, a little bit different in college basketball games or you typically play in a couple games a week. When a guy like Coach Grant has a week to prepare for you, you're gonna see some wrinkles and some things that you have not Absolutely. seen throughout the year. They're gonna throw some different things at Memphis, uh, at probably defensively and offensively. So that I, I feel like this game is going to be a a real chess match between Penny Hardaway and Anthony Grant. Absolutely agree. Um, and, and and I and I think Penny Hardaway is up to the task like you said. He's shown how good his in-game adjustments have been this year. I know there are so many people that question his coaching ability, but if you know the game of basketball and you're not just a troll uh, and, and you understand schemes and systems and adjustments, then you've seen uh, that Penny Hardaway is a good coach and we've been saying this for, you know, 2 years now. People that people um, that want
3: to talk about a, a him being a bad coach or him not having the ability to coach don't know the game and they don't know that Right adjustments, adjustments don't always equal success, but it's those little small minute details inside of a game that you see that you're like, well, that was an adjustment that was made. Now let's see what success happens with it. And, and Penny knows how to push buttons. You can see it. He knows the buttons to press with his team. He knows the adjustments to make. And as a, as a, as a coach, like that's all you can ask of your coach is, know how to inspire know how to press buttons and know how to make adjustments and know how to game plan um, he's obviously got the recruiting side down but it's those in-game things that that people still want to question that just need that that conversation needs to stop I think
2: yeah I agree uh, and I said I had a couple points and this is my last point uh, that I would really be looking for because um, Memphis is a team that is aggressive on the glass and is not used to getting out rebounded. Dayton's not an incredible rebounding team; they average about thirty-three a game, um, and they have a couple of guys that are good rebounders. And, and what's the key in this? What's what am I getting at here? You know, DeAndre Williams is going to get some rebounds. Musa has kind of been a little not a little more non-existent over the last several games. I know he started out well against Houston, but kind of kind of faltered off towards the end. And it's Malcolm Dandridge because we talk about this, what feels like every week, when Memphis needs a physical presence in the front court. Uh, and, and, and they typically do because either DeAndre's in foul trouble or uh, Musa is not playing up to his capabilities. So Malcolm is that guy off the bench that is supposed to be aggressive on both ends of the floor, make plays on both the ends of the floor. And when he does, Memphis typically dominates down low. Uh, they win the rebounding battle. Uh, they have a physical presence established down low. And then there are games where he doesn't show up and you see how much it harms Memphis as a team. So that's the last thing I really will be watching for because I think I think when we talk about DeAndre Williams and foul trouble and we say, well, and I said this in the game article, they need him to play a cleaner game and they do need him to, but when you just look at facts and statistics is he's more than likely going to be in foul trouble at some point in this game. And at that point, if it's if it's him in foul trouble or Musa struggling, Memphis needs Malcolm Dandridge to step up and make plays. I'm not asking for him to have 15 and 10. If he just has, you know, six to eight points and seven to nine rebounds or six to eight rebounds, something in that area, and it's playing aggressive on both ends, then Memphis should win that rebounding battle down low. And they've proved when they can do that, when they win the matchup down low, uh, they establish dominance in the paint on both ends of the floor, then they are very difficult to beat.
3: So I think we're going to have to pay attention to a couple of other matchups. So the Jalen Crutcher matchup is going to be obviously the biggest matchup. He's the leader of their team. He does it all. He's, he's, he's great. Um, I think you're 1,000% right with um, with Malcolm because they've got a kid on their team named Jordy Shimonga. That I I'm, I probably screwed up his name, but I, I
2: think it's... yeah, it looks like it looks like Tishomingo to me, or something sh- like I that. I think the
3: team might be silent. Shamonga. Shemong, anyway, Jordy Shamanga. If Shemonga, we butchered it, we butchered. If we it. butchered it, sorry. Um, Jordy Shamanga is a is a six eleven, two hundred and eighty pound center, averages who,
2: eight eight rebounds a game.
3: Yes, but he's also it um, doesn't score a whole lot. I mean, he scores eight, nine, eight, nine, ten points a game. Um, prediction wise for the for this game i think we might see a rough musa game because i don't think musa is going to be physically able to handle um uh, uh jordy shimanga in terms of his size now what what musa can do is use his athletic ability running 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 go 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 and get this dude out of shape obvious or get this dude tired obviously he's a 6 280 i mean that's a huge kid but Malcolm is going to absolutely have to come in and spell him. Malcolm's bigger, he's stronger, he's more physical in the paint than than Musa is. So it's going to have to be a a a kind of a a, a two-headed monster with with Musa and Malcolm um, flexing what they do well. Because then on the other side, um, Chase Johnson for Dayton is their 6 forward who who can step out to the three-point line and make and make three-point shots. That's going to be DeAndre's guy. And, and so DeAndre's going to have to make sure. I think, I think Chase might be the second leading scorer on the team. Um, and he's going to have to um, pay attention to him as much as also paying attention to the paint when it comes to Jalen. So it's going to be some interesting matchups. I mean, this Dayton team, while they're not having the year they had last year, they're a good team.
2: Yeah, and they beat St. Bonaventure on March 1st, who just won the A-10 conference title and is in the NCAA tournament. Uh, they beat some good teams this year. St. Louis, who's another number one seed in the NIT, so uh, it's not like Memphis is some level of competition that they have not seen this year. They played VCU, I believe, two or three times. Uh, St. Bonaventure, St. Louis, so they've played teams that are Memphis's caliber, and they in those games have went both both ways. They've lost some of those games. They've won some of those games. So I think this is going to be another gritty, tough, down to the wire game. And fortunately, we're talking about the front court, so I'm going to wrap this up and we're going to move on um but Dayton doesn't have Justin Gorham and Fabian White and Grisham and they don't have they don't have the same big men that Houston does uh, which I believe is why Houston is so dominant down low because they do have so many uh, players at their disposable disposal in that area um but Memphis has to come play physical uh if they want to win that rebounding battle and and get second chance points and get second chance opportunities Uh, and secure this game so with that being said let's take a quick break here from our sponsors and then we'll move on talk a little football and then get out of here Welcome back, everyone, and as I mentioned before the break, we're going to talk a little bit of football real quick. There's not much that we can say at this point, but we do know for a fact that Memphis football is back on the practice field. Practice field Spring practice began on Sunday.
3: And you've been there, right? You've been at all the practices,
2: right? <laughs> yeah, I wish, I wish we were able to be at the practices. We are still not allowed this year. Um, but nonetheless, uh, extremely happy for the program, happy for Ryan Silverfield that they're able to get spring practice in this year. Uh, and for schools around the country because I I know how important this time is for the young guys and new staffs and all that and new installs. So uh, I I know they're excited to be back, the players and the coaches. It's big for them. Uh, We have a thread on the site right now. If you have not seen that, go check that out, a VIP thread on spring practice that Jonah Jordan and myself are dumping all the inside information that we get in there. Um, So I cannot say any of that here. Uh, because, like I mentioned, it is it is VIP information. Uh, it's something that we're holding a little closer to the vest because no one else has it. So, if you are not a VIP member and you want some spring practice, can you give info, me a hint?
3: Can you give me a hint?
2: A hint on what? The
3: VIP information. No,
2: it's just it's information. It's inside information <laughs> on spring practice. Sorry. so
3: join people join the vip group the family come find out Yeah.
2: if you're not vip sign up if you're interested in spring practice stuff if you are vip and haven't checked it out go check that out on the boards right now a couple other little points i want to run through real quick Uh, i'm sure everyone's heard this the news came out last weekend by brian moss that john simon was no longer on staff ryan silverfield confirmed that on tuesday i believe uh, after spring practice and spoke a little bit about that and said that they have not found a replacement yet. They're using multiple guys to kind of fill that role. Same thing. Uh, like Ryan said, not releasing details on that, uh, that, that we're keeping that one a little closer to the vest as well. But nonetheless, there is, there is a change there. There will be a difference there in the receiver room this year. Ryan Silverfield has just not decided who it is going to be yet. Uh, last note on football Friday – uh, which is, I believe, when this podcast will be releasing is on Friday. Um, Memphis will be having their pro day. Brady White, Kenny Gainwell, DeMonte coxie Riley Patterson, Adam Williams, O'Brien Goodson will all be going through workouts. So I'm sure we will get updated on what they run and what the throws look like, what Kenny and DeMonte look like. They all spoke to the media on Thursday, first time we've gotten to talk to Kenny or DeMonte since they decided to leave. Um, so I'm sure whenever that comes out, whenever that's released, Kenny will have that up on the YouTube page. So if you want to hear the latest from those guys from former Tigers that are heading to the NFL, that will be on our YouTube page at go Tigers 247 subscribe. If you have not sus- subscribed to that yet. Um, and Kenny, anything else? I think that's pretty much a wrap from football. Like I said, we can't, we can't see anything. So I can't give you guys a bunch of information like I typically would at this point.
3: Well, let me ask you a question real quick. Um, Two questions about football. Um, Obviously, the John Simon stuff is tough, um, you know, losing the wide receivers coach. But is it? Is this like for all the times for it to happen, is this going to hurt the team too bad in terms of timing?
2: No, I don't think it does. I think John Simon is a good coach. um, But I think there are capable guys that are already in-house that can fill that role if need be. And they are currently, but I'm saying long-term. I think there are guys on the staff that can fill that role long-term. So, I mean, optically, you can think what you want to think and, and w- whatever opinions you may surmise from that uh, are fine. But trust me, Memphis's receiver room be fine. There's too much talent there. There's too much talent on the staff. Uh, that receiver room is going to rock right along without John Simon. And I mean that in a respectful way, not in that John Simon wasn't doing his job or anything. They're just There's a lot of talent on the team, and there are guys on the staff that are capable of filling that role.
3: Obviously, the big question for everybody is the quarterback battle. Um, do you have any – I know we haven't seen anything. Ryan has has talked about it a little bit. Do you want to kind of relay some of the things that he said about the quarterback battle at this point?
2: Yeah, I think from everything that we've heard from outside sources and from what Ryan said, I mean, it's, it's early. It's really early. They've gotten a few days to see these guys actually throw the ball live to receivers. So th- there's not going to be anybody separating right now. There's not going to be any separation from any of the quarterbacks right now. There are different things that each of these guys bring to the table that – uh, are positive things, and there are things that all three of the guys need to work on moving forward. So uh, Ryan talked about Grant's arm, Grant's size. Uh, talked about you know Peter not being mentioned enough as a guy that can make an impact. Keelan uh, finally shifting his focus fully towards football. I've heard good things about him. So it, it's a three man race, and I think it's pretty even at this time. This isn't the this isn't the Brady White, uh, David Moore, Brady Davis. Battle where we knew it was going to come down to Brady and David Moore. I think they're all three of these guys are pretty, pretty close uh, at, at this point in time.
3: Yeah. I think if one of the things that stuck out to me that he, that when he talked about the quarterback battle was how, you know, perception has been that Peter's uh Peter Parrish is a dual threat, you know, but his main skill set is his running ability, which he's a gifted runner. But Ryan made it very clear this kid has a arm on him. He can really throw the ball. So, um, Like you said, I think you're right. I think it's too early to tell right now. There's no front runner, um, but I think the quarterback room is an extremely healthy place right now, and it's going to be a fun battle to watch as we continue to move forward to the fall.
2: Yeah, just looking at the roster and everything, this is the last thing I'm going to say and we're going to get out of here. Just looking at the roster, uh, the transfers that were brought in, the 2021 class, this team, if they come together the right way, if they gel the right way, they have a chance to be very, very special because they have talent, all over the field there is talent at every level of this team um and as long as they can find a guy to lead the pack in the quarterback room they find you know they find the right guy at the quarterback spot this team's going to be really good um but with that being said head over to go tigers247.com for all the latest coverage on spring practice jonah and i are doing breakdowns on each position uh we've got game previews for Dayton. and we'll have full uh pre during and post-game coverage of the nit game and any further basketball games if memphis does advance so head over there check that out and i'm gonna drop just a little just a little hint right now Uh oh uh-oh, 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 uh-oh. i'm not even what's about to i'm happen? not even gonna i'm not even gonna give anything away i'm just gonna tell you guys that we have something very special in the works right now uh it has already been completing completed as far as one aspect of it but it is going to take a couple more weeks more than likely but when it comes out you guys will know what I'm talking about it's going to be awesome Kenny's working his magic and in a couple weeks you guys will see what we've been working on but with that being said Kenny you got anything else I'm good that's a wrap
1: thank you for listening to Tigers in 20 if you enjoyed this episode we would love for you to leave a comment and a rating wherever you downloaded your podcast If you are interested in daily content all about the University of Memphis Athletic Program, please hop over to www.gotigers247.com. Articles are published daily, and you can join the Go Tigers 247 family by signing up for a VIP membership for even more behind-the-scenes information. We'll see you back here next week.